Hey folks, welcome to the Sermons Podcast of Christ Church at Grove Farm. Whether it's your first time or you've been here since the beginning, we are thrilled to be a part of your spiritual walk and look forward to all that Christ is doing in your life. If you are looking for more information about Christ Church or you would like to connect with one of our pastors or ministry leaders, you can reach us on our website, ccgf.org. You can also connect with us on YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Here is this week's message. Grace and peace to you. Join me. Oh Lord, we do come before you and we are just excited to be together as as your people today. We're thankful we can come into this place and see, Lord, by your grace, that we're able to, to move past and persevere through the trials that we've been seeing in our nation and around the world. Lord, speaking of trials, there are many trials, many tests that come our way, Lord. Things that would, would seem to threaten our faith or challenge our faith. I pray, Lord, that you would strengthen us to persevere through these things. And as we do persevere, I pray, Lord, that our character be developed, that we would mature. And I pray, Lord, that as we mature, the hope of eternity through Christ would only become clear in our hearts and our minds. Grow us up in that way, God. So, Lord, as we look at your word this morning... I pray we would grow in the likeness of Jesus, all of us. We give this time to you. We pray all this in his name. Amen. So between 1860 and 1900, the railroad trackage in America grew eightfold. And that's really incredible. We're, talking, we're not measuring this in feet. This is measuring miles. So miles and miles and miles and miles of railroad track was added in America. And the, and the result of this was that industry in America just like took off. It blew up in those late 1800s. Specifically, the steel industry really took off in the 1800s. And of course, the effect of the steel industry, which we still know today, had a huge impact here in the city of Pittsburgh. There were a couple guys who were prominent in this, Andrew Carnegie, of course, and he joined forces with a guy named Edgar Thompson, and they built a plant on a site that had been uh, used or, or, or was used during the French and Indian War in Braddock, and they built a mill there that still stands today. It's called Edgar Thompson Works, and that mill had, a, in its first iteration, a very specific purpose. And the purpose was to fuel that railroad expansion that was happening in America in the late 1800s. And so they built tracks there. They, they, they built uh, locomotives there and rail cars and, and bridges and tunnels. All the things that were necessary for the railroad development, which really built America, the America we know today. Pittsburgh was right there in the midst of all this. That steel was coming from Pittsburgh. You know, we talked about steel last week. If you caught week one of Forged, you know we talked about this, this process of strengthening steel. We have a graph up here to show you, to look at this. Look at the heat that goes into to tempering steel. Last week, we talked about tempering. Tempering is the process by which steel is strengthened. It's put into a hot fire, and you can see the temperatures there. The colors kind of go along with that. But there's something beyond tempering, strengthening steel, and that is forging. When steel is forged, it's heated up to an even greater degree. And it's able then to be shaped into a purpose. See how hot it gets? 
Look, so if you're feeling the heat in your life, if you feel like, man, it's burning up here, I feel like I'm in the fire. Look, it could be. In fact, I would suggest that it is. That God is seeking to shape you. Not does he want to temper you, strengthen you through the trials, the challenges that you face. God is also seeking to shape you, to form you into his likeness. Now, here's the thing I'll tell you about this shaping and this forming. This, this does not happen automatically. In fact, spiritual growth is not automatic. This is an interesting thing. Though God does the work, it requires our cooperation with God. If you're going to be tempered, if you're going to be forged, it will absolutely require your cooperation with God. The, the application of spiritual disciplines, you and I must be forged, and there's something we've got to do with that. So let's look at the scriptures here. Nathan, who's done a great job leading us in worship this morning, really grateful for Nate. Nate read out of 2 Peter. That's where we are today. You can grab a Bible in front of you. You might have the Bible app with you. Follow along with us. You might take some notes and underline some things. I want to read to you from the beginning of 2 Peter chapter 1, picking up in verse 1. Here we see the author identify himself. He says, Simon Peter, a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ. So we know that this is written by, yes, that Peter, the one who denied Jesus, the one who walked closely with Jesus, the one who was restored ultimately by Jesus. He's the author here. And here he identifies who the audience is. He says, to those who through the righteousness of our God and Savior Jesus Christ have received a faith as precious as ours. You get this? I mean, it says, to those who through, faith, who through the righteousness of our God and Savior Jesus Christ have received a faith. In other words, if you are a child of God, I asked you last week, I said, who are the children of God? Is it everyone? Is it all people? No, the children of God are those who through the righteousness of our God and Savior Jesus Christ have received faith. This is written to specifically the children of God. That's who this is. So, so if you're someone who follows Jesus, this is for you, not just for an ancient audience. Peter continues, he says, grace and peace be yours in abundance through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. In verse 3, his divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life. Underline that. His grace, his divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life. We're going to be talking about virtue today. Virtue, something that perhaps is, seems like it might be lost in our culture. Virtue is what we're talking about. And we have the strength, we have the power, we have a way to live a godly or a virtuous life through his divine power. We can do everything we need in order to live a godly life through God, through the power of Jesus, through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. You see that? Called by his own glory and goodness. Through these, he has given us this very great and precious promise so that through them, you may participate in the divine nature. You and I may participate in the divine nature, having escaped the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. So there's a lot there. Let's unpack a little bit of this, okay? First of all, we have talked about this. Who's this for? It's for the children of God. 
And there's something that's really important I want to point out to you. Your standing as a child of God will lead you to live a life of virtue. It should lead you to live a virtuous life. But here's the thing you got to know, and this is really important as we begin this message, because I don't want you to be mixed up with this. We cannot add to what Jesus Christ has done already. God has provided us the way. He has made a way for us to be children of God and to live this life of virtue. We cannot live the life of virtue apart from him. It's only through Christ and Christ alone. Are we together in this? This is important. The emphasis in this passage is not on human achievement or on human strength or human power. Let me read it again. His divine power has given us everything we need to live a godly life. Though he, uh, uh, through these, he has given us his very great and precious promises so that through them you may participate in the divine nature. Do you see this? This all comes. The ability to live this life of virtue isn't in you and me. It only is possible through Christ. This is what I would say about it. We labor for virtue because God has already labored for us. It is at work in us. Do you get it? We have to be on, this, on the same page as we begin this passage because I don't want anyone to walk out of here thinking, well, hey, I can live a good life. I could be good and I can be virtuous. Look, your, your ability to do that, let's be honest, I know some of you, <laughs> is limited. It's limited. You know me. And so therefore, we have plenty of evidence to know that our ability to live this out is limited. It's only because God has labored for us already. And he is at work in us. That is why we, therefore, labor to live this life of virtue. So that's what we're going to dive into. I'm excited about it. You know, we live and we labor from his promise and from his power. That's who we are. Let's pick it back up. Second Peter chapter 1, verse 5. I'm going to give you a lot of scriptures. Again, you might want to jot these down and go back to them. Reading the first half of verse 5 now. For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith. He says, okay, so he's laid it out. Through Jesus, we have the power to live differently. We have the power to live a virtuous life. And he says, for this reason, make every effort. You hear that? Every effort. Another thing to underline in your Bible. To add to your faith. So the foundation of virtue is identified for us here. The foundation of virtue is faith. Faith is the, is, is the foundation. Faith is the root of out of which all the virtues grow. And we're going to see a list here of virtues. All the virtues grow out of the root of faith. So you could say it this way. Faith develops into virtue. If you are a person of faith, then we should be seeing the virtues of God developed in our lives. It just goes together. Faith is a root and it develops into virtue. Virtue springs from the loyalty and devotion to Jesus that you and I are endeavoring to live out. That's what it springs from. Now, when we talk about virtue, I just want to take an aside here just for a moment because it sure seems like virtue is under attack these days. 
And you may have heard some legislation that's been passed in the House of Representatives, the so-called Equality Act. And this legislation, if it's passed in the Senate, if it becomes law, would seriously undermine, in a significant way, our religious liberty. It's wrought with a lot of things. But the thing I'll present to you today is this. Virtue, if we're talking about virtue from the Bible, there's no doubt the virtue feels like it's under attack. So here's, if I had one thing I could ask you to do in light of, of this little aside, it would be this. Pray. Pray. Nothing of significance happens apart from prayer. We've talked about this. So first things first, would you pray? You know, we've enjoyed religious liberties in this land. We have the benefit of that even here today, this morning. And we would pray that those religious liberties would be extended not only to us, but to the generations who come after us. Virtues seem like they're sure under attack these days. We're talking about virtue today here from the scriptures. And here's the goal. Here's what God wants to do. God wants to take your faith. And he wants to move you from casual to committed. God wants to take you from being passive into being passionate. God wants to take you from being a spectator to being a stakeholder. He wants to move you through faith in this direction. It's a new direction. The Lord has a mission for you. Listen, church, the Lord has a mission for us. There's someone you got to be. There's someone we got to be. And this passage lays it out for us. Now, one last thing I'll point out in verse 5 here is this. The scripture says, for this very reason, make every effort to add, to add to your faith. That's another thing that I want, to add to your faith. There's a feeling in this passage, in these words from, from Peter, inspired by God, there's a sense of forward, 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 pushing ahead, pushing ahead, pushing ahead, that's inherent in these words. I want you to feel the passion. Whether you're in this room with us or you're worshiping via Christ Church online, I want you to feel the passion forward, forward, forward. That's how these work. And these virtues we're going we're gonna to lay out here, we're going to look at, listen, while you exercise one, another one's developing. It's not like some stages you go through. No, they are working together. As you exercise one, another one's being developed. These virtues will make us more effective for the mission that God has for us. One builds upon another. So I've got some, some visuals here that might help us with this. Let me read verses five through seven, and then we'll get into my visuals here. And hopefully we'll have an understanding of these virtues that are ours in Jesus Christ as we follow and seek him. Picking up again in verse five, for this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith, goodness, and to goodness, knowledge, and to knowledge, self-control. Do you see them building on each other? And to self-control, perseverance. And to perseverance, godliness. And to godliness, mutual affection. And to mutual affection, love. So let's take a look at this, okay? Let's look at the first one, goodness, okay? So the scripture says that the first virtue that, that Peter here identifies for us is goodness. What is goodness? Well, you tend to think of goodness in heroic ways. Good overcoming evil. This is not that kind of goodness. In fact, the original Greek would suggest the word excellence. Excellence. And here's what I mean by excellence. It's not necessarily a quality. It's something that a person attains or an entity attains 
through fulfilling their purpose. Like you might say, if there's, if there's land that produces a good crop, you would say that, that land is excellent land. Or, or if you had a tool, and that tool was really good at, its, at doing its job, helping you to, to build something or to fix something, you would say that, that tool is excellent because it's, it's fulfilling its purpose. In the greatest sense, Jesus Christ embodies excellence. Why? Because Jesus achieved the purpose that God had for him all the way. He was born. He lived a life as an example, a sinless life, a perfect, flawless life. And then he took it all the way to the cross and endured the shame and humiliation and, and, the, and, the, and the awfulness of the cross only to be raised back to life. Jesus is the embodiment of excellence. He fulfilled his purpose. So listen, by his excellence, Jesus Christ has called us to excellence. Do you see it? This is, this is the first virtue, goodness. Because he is excellent, he has called us also to excellence. Let me illustrate this for you. So we moved back to the Pittsburgh area about 16 months ago. I thought, you know, we need something to rally our family together. This is a big moment. So I had some t-shirts printed, right? And, and, I, and our street name is Raptor. That's a, the street, it's a weird name. And so I just played with it. I thought, okay, let's do this. We're the Geargo Raptors. <laughs> now, sure, the dinosaur looks way too friendly. and My girls make fun of me for that. But we're friendly people. And the reason I gave the whole family these shirts is this. I want to understand this. You are a Geargo. And yeah, we have to teach people to say that name most times. But it means something in our household. It stands for something. And because our daughters are the children of Craig and Lisa Geargo, the grandchildren of Dennis and Susan and Stan and Lois, the great-grandchildren of Dave and Thelma, and so on and so forth, because of this, there, there's a standard for them. There's someone they've got to be. There's something for them to step into. That's what we think in our household, right? How much more so for the people of God? You know, if we're on Team Geargo, that's love. We're talking about Team Jesus here, folks. Listen, are you on Team Jesus? Team Jesus has an incredible standard because Team Jesus comes on the shoulders of the one. The one who, who through his, his excellence exemplified on the cross set an example of self-sacrifice for us. He fulfilled his purpose. You know what? We have a purpose too. By his excellence, we have been called to excellence. Are you with me? Do you see this? This is the goodness that we're talking about. Where is it? There's, this is the goodness we're talking about. This is what we're called. This is the kind of virtue. We can only achieve this through Christ. By his excellence, we're called to excellence. Let me tell you something about Team Jesus. Here's the kind of things that Team Jesus does, okay? We're partnering with CPAC. Southeast Asia Prayer Center, a mission organization right here in Pittsburgh. Love CPAC. And, and CPAC does work, of course, all over Southeast Asia, including Cambodia. Now, some of you know the history of Cambodia. You'll remember this. The, the Khmer Rouge, several decades ago, under Pol Pot's leadership, there was a genocide. Almost two million people slaughtered. You talk about atrocities. And that, of course, has had an impact on Cambodia as a nation that's hard to understand. The impact that genocide has on a people. And so there are children who are orphaned, abandoned, 
Can you imagine abandoning a little child? So here's what Team Jesus does. Team Jesus says, we want to help with that. And so through CPAC and our partnership with them, we are building an orphanage to care for a group of those orphaned, abandoned children. Listen, will you be a part of that with us? We've already raised over $80,000 to build this orphanage. We're almost there. We need about another $30,000. There's a little house in the back. looks like the orphanage a little bit. You can buy a brick. and You can contribute to this. And when you do that, it's a part of the work of Team Jesus. We are exemplifying the goodness, the purpose, the excellence to which we're called. Okay, so you got excellence. The second virtue that's listed here is knowledge. Now, when we talk about knowledge, we are not talking about head knowledge. This isn't an intellectual pursuit. So many times in in the Christian world, we want to do that. It's different than that. I think I can illustrate it by maybe a current event. You've heard about the, the uh, mission to Mars that NASA has going on right now. The name of the vessel is Perseverance. Don't you love it? It's perfect for this series. In fact, we have a picture. Perseverance has taken some photos, given us some images from Mars, which are amazing. There's a lot of memes about them out there. And, and, and this exploration is the culmination of years of striving to get to Mars. And and really what we're going to be able to do through this mission is gain an understanding of the so-called red planet. There's a quote from an astronaut that I thought was interesting about this whole Mars mission. He said, everything we do in space directly benefits life on Earth. Let me say again, everything we do in space directly impacts life on Earth. So listen, the knowledge we're talking about, you know, we, we are, pers- just like they were pursuing a, a mission and getting to Mars, look, and NASA, we strive, we strive after the life transform- transformative power and knowledge of God, personal knowledge of him. We strive towards that. And as we do, here's what happens. We participate more fully in the mystery of God and of Jesus Christ. And when we do that, it hits home. It is an impact in us. It changes us. We become more like Jesus. So this is not an intellectual pursuit. No, it's actually a pursuit of the heart to pursue Jesus, this knowledge that we speak of. And how do you do it? Well, I'll point you to chapter 3 of 2 Peter. Listen to the scripture. I'll tell you how we pursue this knowledge chiefly. Dear friends, Peter says, this is now my second letter to you. It's called 2 Peter. I have written both of them as reminders to stimulate you to wholesome thinking, virtuous thinking. I want you to recall the words spoken in the past by the holy prophets and the command given by our Lord and Savior through our, your apostles. Do you hear this? The way that we pursue, the, the prophets and the apostles, what do they represent? The holy scriptures. The way that you can grow and pursue the knowledge of God and dive deep into the mystery of Jesus Christ is through the word of God. Are you reading the scriptures? Are you in the Bible? It's it's indispensable for us. I'll just cut to this and say this. There's a passage in 1 Corinthians chapter 9. We're going to put it on on the screen behind me. In this passage, Paul talks about this idea of running a race. He uses an example, another metaphor. He says, look, he says, do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way 
as to get the prize. You want to run the race? Run the race so that you win, so you get the prize. He says, everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown, a trophy that will not last. But we run the race. We do this to get a crown that will last forever. That's eternal life. He says, therefore, I do not run like someone running aimlessly. I do not fight like a boxer beating the air. No, I strike a blow to my body and make it my slave. He's saying this. He's saying, listen, would you beat your body? Would you take, take control? Would you see Christ? Would you know him through the scriptures? It's absolutely indispensable to us. Not just facts and figures. We want to really know God. Let me keep going. Okay, so the virtues goodness and knowledge they're moving forward 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 that's why we have arrows they're building on one another as you practice one as you exercise one another one's developing self-control self-control now there's an elusive one you know i was a teacher for a decade taught elementary school and um, i remember vividly an experience one day in the classroom i'd given the students a writing assignment laid out the teaching, laid out the, the directions of the assignment, got them some paper and got them working on this assignment. All the kids, I was on this day, all the kids start writing. They're, they're writing and, they're, and they're, they're, they're answering the prompt, they're inspired. I'm walking around the room and seeing what they're doing. And I get to this one boy, his name was Zach. And Zach is sitting there, pencil still on the table, paper blank, just like staring into space. And I said, hey, Zach, What's wrong? You're not writing anything. And he looked at me and he said, I'll use his voice. He said, you know that show Fear Factor? You remember Fear Factor? I said, yeah, yeah, I know Fear Factor. He said, well, I can't stop thinking about it and it's making me sick. And he had like, he's like dry heaving. He's, you know, like green in his face. And I looked at him and I said, I said, Zach, Stop thinking about it. And he picked up his pencil and he said, okay. And he started to write. <laughs> Self-control. Stop thinking about it, Zach. I wish it was that easy, don't you? Self-control seems to be really elusive. And self-control is the, the mastery of one's sinful impulses and desires. It's being set free. We really struggle with, 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 with self-control. I know we do. In fact, I'd say this. You know, we as a people in America, it seems like we've just thrown off self-control altogether, doesn't it? It's like virtue. Are you kidding me? Do, you, do whatever you want. You do you. Don't judge me. Don't look down on me. We've abandoned self-control and act like it's something we're not capable of. Look, there's so much goodness and self-control for you and for me. But I don't, want to be, I don't want to be too judgmental on this because I want to be clear on this. This self-control we're talking about is not just for those people. Look, it's for all of us. And, and I know the human condition well enough to know this. You and I all struggle with self-control to varying degrees. Look, a virtue of following Christ. And we talked about beating your body. Paul talks about beating your body and running the race. It's, it's for this. We, we run the race. We beat our bodies to know Christ. We do it through his strength. There's this self-control that comes. It's a virtue that's developed as we follow Christ, as we take up faith. It's like this big white background is the, is the canvas of faith. 
We follow him. So goodness and knowledge and self-control, they're building on one another. And then perseverance comes into the frame again. There it is again. You know, we've talked about perseverance here. Perseverance is important. And I love that self-control and perseverance go side by side. And I think it's very appropriate. I think it's interesting that they come side by side because if anyone has attempted to practice self-control, you know this, you need perseverance, don't you? You need the ability to keep on picking yourself back up and, and, and stepping forward again and running the race more and more. But this virtue, the, the root of perseverance, the reason that you and I can have the strength to persevere isn't in us. The root of this virtue is in the sure hope of God. You hear me? The reason why you can pick yourself up when your self-control, when your self-discipline has failed you, is because of the sure hope we have in God. And this is particularly about the powerful return of Jesus Christ when he will come back to judge all things and to bring about the new heaven and the new earth. That, this is the source. This is the root of perseverance. Again, I take you to 2 Peter chapter 3. Listen to 2 Peter 3. Since everything will be destroyed in this way, you hear this, this is talking about the end times. Since everything will be destroyed in this way, what kind of people ought you to be? In light of God's reality, in light of what's ahead of us, what kind of people ought you to be? You ought to live holy and godly lives. What kind of virtues that he's laying out for us. As you look forward to the day of God and speed that's coming, that day will bring about the destruction of the heavens by fire. And the elements will melt in the heat. But, talk about being forged. But, in keeping with his promise, we are looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth where righteousness dwells. That's our hope. And why do we persevere? Why do we get up off the mat? Why, when our self-control has failed us again, do we get up? Because there's this great hope that's ahead of us. There's the promise of a new heaven and a new earth. This is what we're after. That keeps us going. Okay, so these things are mounting, they're building, they're developing in us through faith in Christ, through God's power in us, goodness and knowledge and self-control and perseverance. And perseverance works its way into what the scriptures define as godliness. Godliness. I love that there's this reminder that's, that's right here smack dab in the middle of this list, that we don't strive toward these virtues on our own. The resource to achieving all this isn't our own strength. No, we strive out the gifts that God has given us so generously through Christ. I think a, a, a scripture that's really important to this whole message today is Philippians chapter 2. Look at Philippians 2. This is one that, that may be the best complementary scripture for this text, I think. Philippians 2, verses 12 through 13. Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. I love it. You see, there's this godliness that we're pursuing, but it's God who works in you to will and act according to, to his good purpose. You know, people get discouraged because they don't see the godliness. They see the lack of self-control. They struggle to persevere. 
They don't know if they're, they're fulfilling their purpose. All these things seem up. And what happens? People fall off the wagon. People go off the rails, to use a train analogy. People fly off the wheel. Don't do it. Persevere. Stay in God's word. Stay among the fellowship of God's people. Keep on going because through time, God is working through you. He is working in you to will his good purpose. So important. So we stay. We stay because we want to be forged. We keep on working. We keep on following. We keep on cooperating with God's work in us. And then we get to maybe two of the, the ultimate expressions of these virtues in us. Because this goodness and knowledge and self-control and perseverance and godliness will ultimately manifest itself in something that's really beautiful. And that's mutual affection. Mutual affection. You know, the Greek term is Philadelphia. Philadelphia, which means brotherly love. This is the kind of love that should exist among believers in the church. You know, one of the things that people have said to me in my short time here at Christ Church over and over again, people have said, you know, Christ Church is such a, a friendly, loving community. It feels like family here. It's very welcoming. And I love that about the church. But I will say this, we should be. If we're truly following Christ, I mean, what church wouldn't look like that? What church wouldn't have mutual affection? If we are truly, through faith, seeking Christ and growing in him, then this virtue should be a reflection of who we are. So I'm encouraged by that. Be encouraged. One of the things that people see in us is welcoming. One of the things people see in us is brotherly love, mutual affection. They should see it. This is how we should live. And not just faking it. Really welcoming and valuing all people. Not just pretending that we love one another, but sharing our gifts with one another. Caring for and building up the Christian community that's right here. I'll take you to 1 John chapter 5, verses 1 and 2. We talk about mutual affection. Talk about brotherly love. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. Who's a child of God? Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God is a child of God. And everyone who loves the Father loves his child as well. This is how we know that we love the children of God, by loving God and carrying out his commands. Mutual love should be a virtue that we see in the life of the church. Finally, this list of virtue concludes with what Paul calls the greatest of these, love. You know, we have brotherly love. We have the Philadelphia love, the mutual affection. But this is the agape love. Another term that we read in the scriptures, it's a different kind of love. You know, with the brotherly love, with the Philadelphia love, we love because of our, of our commonality, our likeness with one another. We're a part of the same body. We're brothers and sisters in the same family. But the agape love, this is when we love in spite of our differences with people. This is an unconditional love. This is a love that's sustained, and it's a difficult love, and it suffers others really well. You know, we, we find this love epitomized by our love for God and our love for people, our love for our neighbors. The, the food trucks that were mentioned are the boxes of food we're going to give up. You know, why are we doing this? Well, listen, the pandemic has resulted in many people being hungry. Go look at the stats in Allegheny County. 
There are many people in our own city who are hungry. We want to be a part of that. Why? Because love should be an expression. Love should be a virtue that shows up among those who love God and follow Jesus because of the work of the Holy Spirit in us, because of our faith. And so we should be a people who are marked by love. So we have 1,300 boxes of food. They're going to come this Thursday. You can come and serve. Here's what else you can do. Help us get the word out. You know people? Tell them. Use your social media channels. You have some connections in the media? Let us know. We want to get the word out and let people know they can come and get food for free, no strings attached. We do this because we want to express the love, the agape love. Love for God. Love for our neighbors, it's the ultimate expression of of the virtues that God is is forging in us. Look at Mark chapter 12. This is what's called the great commandment. The greatest commandment. Here's what what Jesus said. He said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. The second is like this. Love your neighbors as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. This is the agape love. I want to take you back to 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 8. You know, considering all this, in light of what we're talking about here in these virtues, here's how Peter sums it up. He says in verse 8, For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, there's another thing to underline, the increasing measure. You see how this circle, these arrows are pointed forward and they go on and on and on. We should be growing in, in goodness and knowledge and self-control and perseverance and godliness and mutual affection and in love in increasing fashion. That's what it's saying here. If you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. <laughs> I think it's interesting. We are, we are called, therefore, to be effective. We are called to be productive through Jesus Christ. If we're truly people who are growing in goodness and knowledge, self-control, perseverance, we keep on going because of the hope we have. Godliness, because God's power is working through us and it expresses itself in love. Listen, we will be effective. We'll be productive. And here's how we'll be effective and productive in the gospel and sharing the love and the hope of Jesus Christ and his eternity. You know, we talk about Pittsburgh being known for steel. Absolutely, Pittsburgh is famous for steel. As I said at the beginning of the sermon, really, this this nation was built in so many respects through the steel of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. There 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 are railroads across the nation that helped to carry the future of America. Well, I'd say this. There's, there's a quote that many of you have heard. The quote is this. It's really a prayer. It's perhaps a prophecy where people have said over the city of Pittsburgh, our prayer is that Pittsburgh would be more famous for God than it is for steel. Pittsburgh's famous for steel? You betcha it is. Here's our prayer. Here's our aim, that God would be more famous for steel of God. Pittsburgh would be more famous for God than it ever was for steel. We hope that at Christ Church, we'll be churning out the gospel. 
Just like those steel factories churned out railroad equipment and all the pieces to build a complex system, we would hope that, that through Christ Church, we would churn out the gospel. We want to wake a way for people all across Pittsburgh, all across this nation, into the world to know the hope of Jesus. You've heard about all these things we're doing today. We got the Urban Impact Fellows up here. It's incredible. I've told you about our work in Cambodia and building the children's home, Prasat. We're talking about the boxes of food we can give away. Why do we do all this? Because we're motivated. Because of the mutual affection and love that's birthed from goodness and knowledge and self-control and perseverance and godliness. It compels us to say, we've got to get in the game. We've got to share this gospel. This is why we're being forged. This is who God is shaping us in to be. And let me tell you this. It all begins. It all begins with a relationship with Jesus Christ. Are you in a relationship with him in a growing way? Many of you have trusted in Christ. Look, if you are, look, grab a hold of this devotional for Lent. Get into this. We're doing this together. We're reading through this 40 days of a journey of reading the scriptures, praying, seeking to know the Lord. Get into the Bible. Be a part of the community of believers here. Know Jesus in a growing way. We have have to. We have to participate in his work in us. And maybe for some of you, you really never have made that decision to be a part of Team Jesus. Maybe for some of you, you're not sure of your identity as a child of God. Listen, that can happen today. We want to do that today. We want you to make that decision today because here's the thing. God has designed you with a purpose. God has created you lovingly in his image. He loves you. He's a great designer. But there's a problem that enters the picture. We talk about this, and that's our defiance. There's a design. Well, there's defiance also. And our sin has entered the picture. Our disobedience, our willful uh, turning away from the virtues of God. And that sin, that defiance, it leads to death. So though there's a designer, there's defiance. But God has provided a solution for us. And that solution, he's delivered for us is his son, Jesus Christ. Jesus, who came to earth, as we talked about, lived as an example, died on the cross, paid with his flesh, with his life, with his blood for our sins, was buried and rose again. God has delivered for us a solution to our defiance, to our sin, because he is a designer and he loves us. And all this sets you and I up for a big decision. Do you want to live a life that's marked by goodness and knowledge and self-control and perseverance and godliness, a life that's truly exemplified by mutual affection and love? It all begins, it all begins with a relationship with Jesus Christ. Will you make the decision and say, you know what? I believe in Jesus I admit that I'm a sinner. And I believe that he is the son of God. He died on the cross, 
to pay for our sins. He rose again from the grave. I believe he paid for all of us. And would you change your life? Would you say, God, I want to repent. I want to turn away from my own ways. And I'll turn toward you. Listen, to take over this city, we must know God in a growing way. We must know him, first and foremost, through Jesus Christ. And when I say take over the city, you know what I mean. That through the love of Jesus, people would be saved, that they would have the knowledge and the love of God through Jesus Christ and him alone. We desire for every person to know this. For, for the city of Pittsburgh to be known more for God, more than it ever was for steel. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you so much for your love and your goodness. We thank you for Jesus. And Lord, it's by him and him alone that we have this hope. It's by him and him alone, Lord, that we can live a life marked by goodness or excellence. That we can have the depths of knowledge. That self-control and perseverance and even godliness can be the marks of our life. Oh, Lord, I pray that, that we would grow in these virtues and they'd be exemplified in our mutual affection for one another. But also, Lord, for our love for people who are different than us too. I pray, Lord, this agape love would touch our lives in a way that touches this city. Lord, if there's anyone here who wants to turn back to you and say, look, I want to follow Jesus in a growing way. I want to be a part of this movement. I pray, Lord, that even now in their hearts, They'd say, God, I'm coming back to you. God, help me by faith to live this life of virtue that we read about in the scriptures. And Lord, if there's anyone who today wants to say, you know what? I want to be known as a child of God. I want to be on team Jesus. I pray, Lord, that simply in faith, that person would say, Oh, yes, I believe in Jesus. I believe he's the son of God. I believe he died to pay for sin, my sin. And that he rose again. And he paid for us all. And I pray, God, that in so declaring belief in Jesus, we would turn toward you and away from these things, the things of this world, following you in faith. Lord, forge us according to your purposes. Use us to make your name great and famous in the city of Pittsburgh and beyond. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.